Today's episode is brought to you by Diane Kinlaw of Go Prime Mortgage and Jamie Tulak of EXP Realty. And I did that for three years until my daughter had a traumatic brain injury. My daughter needed 24-7 supervision because she was suicidal, she had psychosis, and it was really that moment of, okay, what do I need to be doing and what do I like to do? And I swore up one side and down the other again that I would never do any more programming. And people kept coming to me saying, hey, can you fix my website? And I'm like, okay, I'll just fix yours. Okay, maybe yours too. And then the next one happened. (laughs) And I had started this Facebook group, the Women's Entrepreneur Network, and it was just growing like mad. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm just meant to do this marketing thing and helping small business owners. And that's kind of where Fiercely Marketing came. And it was just this turn left again and totally change again. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. This is the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. On today's show, we have the fabulous Haley Gray. Haley is currently the owner of Fiercely Marketing. And I say that because she's going to tell you her story and you'll hear why I say that. Currently, this is what she's doing now. However, she has some great experiences to share about her no, career. Like, What's the surprise? What's I happening? Know. What's happening? I'm surprising, Sarah. Um, so, I'm curious to hear them too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Haley, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. So, why don't you just tell us like your journey into like the evolution of how we ended up now that you're doing fiercely marketing? Yeah, it has definitely not been a straight road. I started off as a computer programmer, did that for 20 years, went back, got my MBA at Duke, and I was going to work my way up through the corporate ladder. My manager kept saying, hey, you're going to leave. And I was like, I'm not leaving. What do you mean? I like this place. Exactly. And my mom passed away right before I started at Duke. My dad passed away eight weeks after I finished the program. And I had that moment of, what am I doing here? And why am I on this earth? So that was when I started this entrepreneurship journey. And I went completely turn right. And I started a senior home care agency because I had gone through that with Mm -hmm. my parents and I had been providing care. And I really wanted to change how that industry works and how it approaches their clients and take really phenomenal care of their, their people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I did that for three years until my daughter had a traumatic brain injury. And I realized I couldn't do that anymore because of the time demands and the people demands and everything else. And I, my daughter needed 24-7 supervision because she was suicidal. She had psychosis. And it was really that moment of, okay, what do I need to be doing and what do I like to do? And I swore up one side and down the other again that I would never do any more programming. And people kept coming to me saying, hey, can you fix my website? And I'm like, okay, I'll just fix yours. Okay, maybe yours too. And then the next one happened. (laughs) And I had started this Facebook group, the Women's Entrepreneur Network, and it was just growing like mad. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm just meant to do this marketing thing and helping small business owners. And that's kind of where Fiercely Marketing came And it was just this turn left again and totally change again. So where did Leadership Girl fall into that? So Leadership Girl was actually started while I was at Duke as a leadership and entrepreneurship blog for women because I could see the rates of women who were taking up entrepreneurial journeys was really, really low compared to men. And the women who were in my class, I had 10% women. The number of women who are coming out in STEM fields who have a lot of these opportunities is down in the low single digits now in a lot of engineering fields. So it was interesting to me because I could see this huge need for this. So I started blogging just kind of on a joke in a lark, actually. 
Wait, so tell, I don't know about the blog. Tell me about this yeah, blog. That's, uh, that's how I stumbled on Haley was Leadership Girl. Because somebody was like, do you follow her? And I was like, no, I don't know who she is. And so I was like, holy, you know, like, wow, like this is a, a local woman doing amazing things. And I stumbled on her page. And then I had just been following you from the page. It's just a page on Facebook. And then I would go back and read some of the blogs. So tell me, tell, can you tell me more about that, please? Leadership Girl was yes. started in 2012, actually, while I was still in corporate. And I was actually doing a little bit of consulting on the side with small businesses and helping them work their way through their business plans and their growth plans and their marketing and figuring out what they wanted to do and who they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm-hmm. And I started blogging by myself and then I started getting guest submissions and it has grown and grown and grown. And it's kind of its own thing. And I was doing a lot of the work that I was doing under the umbrella of Leadership Girl. And in fact, if you see my email, it's Haley at Mm LeadershipGirl.com. And I decided to pull the marketing piece out because it's very distinct from the here is the support and the network that I'm Mm -hmm. providing for small business owners. Okay, that that helps because I know you as the marketing person. So I didn't even know that there was a surprise was. You have to have Haley in studio. She's got an amazing story. I mean, just from like the computer programming, right? Like, first of all, you know, 20, well, let's say 30 years ago, right? Like women in programming was an oddity, right? Even though we know now that there was like women in the background, women of color specifically in the background when men were landing on the moon, I'm just saying. Now we know that story now, right? But it's more of an oddity to see these women in STEM, women in science, women in coding, and programming and things when it wasn't the huge. So, and then to to grow that into like finding the avenues where you were passionate about something because of the experience that you had with your parents and and trying to create something out of that. At, at, at the same time, having this like parallel universe that was occurring with the growth of Leadership Girl and how things are happening and then things happening in your own family and being able to turn the table. And we're very glad that you're here. Right. I'm glad to be here too. <laughs> I'm a little bit of fangirling, so it's okay. And she knows because I'll tell them, like, you're awesome. So the growth of Leadership Girl and pulling out that fiercely marketing piece, you do something really that I think as far as a business model makes a whole lot of sense with fiercely marketing. So can you tell us a little bit how you have that structured? I work a lot with small to medium-sized business owners. And I approach it a little bit differently than a lot of digital marketing agencies because my goal is to help small business owners get to the point where they can actually afford to hire me and have us do stuff, right? But the process of getting them there is giving them tools, giving them resources, giving them classes, pointing them to community resources like Launch Holly Springs, Mm -hmm. like Wake Tech, Mm -hmm. finding those things that you can do for free that are low cost, that are affordable, that you can use And even spending time putting back into the community through my Facebook group, through Mm -hmm. the blog, those kinds of things. So people can get reputable, valuable information that they're not having to pay an absolute fortune to get. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that model. (laughs) Well, I mean, because I think we try to overcomplicate things. We do. Or because we're in it, we miss all the steps, like the smaller steps. And so basically you're saying, hey, I'm going to provide value on these other platforms that are at, you know, at no cost, like by joining the group, things like that, and you giving the resources of the talks. And you're like, I'm providing you with this valuable service and these skill sets to get you to that place in your business where you're making enough money to then take that next level of investing in a higher level of marketing services and a team for that. Mm-hmm. And we also have some offerings that are lower cost too. Mm -hmm. Like I will work with people one-on-one and I'll do an hour or two here and there with them. And I jokingly call those my catch and release clients because Mm -hmm. they come in, I work with them for a few hours here or a few hours there. We set up their Google ads, we set up something and they may have me come back in a couple of months and hey, take take a few minutes to take a look at this. And that makes it much more affordable than paying me thousands of dollars a month or whatever to do this whole huge marketing thing that may not even be appropriate based on the business. Girl, you're blowing my mind right now because I'm like, where where have you been? Why haven't I known about you? Where are you hiding? I'm hiding in plain sight. <laughs> she is hiding. So, and- because as a small business owner for the second business, do you like, oh, to have somebody that you could just be like, hey, for just a few hours, can you just help me hash this out real quick? Like, oh my God, that's, I need you. 
Well, thank you. I need you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love all the love well, that's and happening in the studio today. Is so not to get like too deep and spiritual, but y'all on the way here, I'm trying to have to increase my relationship with a higher say power. Not to get too deep and spiritual because like that's what we do. here. Okay. So right? like that's I, what Sarah does, but like, okay, there's a deep and spiritual moment every episode. I'm like, I have to share this because it's manifesting and it's magic. I'm trying to have a deeper relationship with the higher power and like any relationship. If you don't spend time together, like you don't get a lot right. out of that relationship. You have to nurture I, it. Right. Exactly. So one of the small steps that I'm doing for that is in the car. I don't listen to music or things like that. And I'm in silence and I'll have conversations. And so on the way here, I was like, my intention for today and what I would like guidance from. And here's where I'm struggling. And it, my intention was I have these events and I have these things and I just want to be able to live in my zone of genius and be able to have somebody help me with the marketing of that, of to get the butts in the seats. But I have no idea how to do that because every marketing agency I've ever talked to, it's a thousand dollars a month minimum and upwards of even more of that. So what, and so I am releasing this to you. That was my car ride here to the studio today. And here's Haley. And here's Haley sitting in the studio today. (laughs) I have chills. Because this is something, and it's interesting, because my business is kind of parallel to what you do. I can create the strategy that then my clients can hand off to Haley and be like, hey, we figured this out. I need to be on LinkedIn and Instagram. And those are the only two places I need to be. And here's my stock photo library and do with it what you will, right? I'm going to have my blog and my email and my LinkedIn and my Instagram and that's it, right? And then so I do that and then I can hand it off to Haley. And one of the conversations that Sarah and I have frequently is she's like, I know you can do these things, but I don't want to take advantage of our friendship. So it's with love that I'm not asking you to help because Mm-hmm. I respect you and I love you. And it's because of that, that I'm going to go find somebody else to do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's great. And it's, it works and I'm cool with it. Right. I'm happy to step in whenever people ask me to help and I'm happy to within reason, but I'm also very ready and willing to refer to other people who are more than capable of doing the things that people come to me with needing. So yep. I think that's amazing that you manifested that today. You go. Thank you, Haley. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So you said something really interesting, Haley. We're going to bring this. We're just going to dial this back. Sorry. (laughs) See what happens. (laughs) So usually our producer is live in studio and he acts like our kind of touchstone. I don't know. I mean, I recognize I'm like, oh, he's there. We got to keep on track, right? The traffic cop. And he has just his presence. He doesn't even need to say anything. We just know he's here. And he had to take another call during our recording time this time. So he's not here. So I'm like, wait a sec. We have it's, to a free for all. it's a free for all. Right. He's, He's gonna listen to this and it's just unattended. Gonna be yes. Dad's away. The children are going to play. Oh, exactly. so fun. Okay. So you said something really, really interesting, Haley, about how you came to this awareness about women entrepreneurship and women in different fields. And how do you and then you created this Facebook group, right? So tell us a little bit about the Women's Entrepreneur Network and how that works and how you operate that in a way that's not just like some other noisy Facebook group, because I I can say from experience, it's not, but it's, so what, what does that look like and how do women grow just from being in your group? Sure. So I started the group to put resources and trainings and other information in front of small business owners, primarily women. It's about 95% women and 5% men. And I thought that it was really important to put high quality information in front of people, get them in, get them engaged, and make it a very limited promo kind of environment. So it's not the kind of group that you go into, yeah, it's 64,000 people, but it's not everybody saying, hey, buy all my stuff, buy all my stuff, buy all my stuff. And it was important to me to make it really valuable for people. And over the years, I've tried to take it to a whole new level every single time. Every day I'm striving to make it a better and better and more supportive environment. So I've been working on bringing in other experts that are carefully curated who are experts in their field. So I'm not a CPA. I bring in a CPA to be a trainer and an expert and offer trainings through him. I've brought in attorneys. I've brought in 
people who are experts in public speaking, people who are experts in list building, people who do things that are perhaps adjacent to what I do, or they may even do very similar things to what I do, but they happen to be experts in their niche. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring those people into the group and promote their businesses as well, but also bring those resources to the members of the group and cut through a lot of the fluff and some of the nonsense and the BS that you see in the online world about, Mm -hmm. hey, come online and post three times and you're going to be a gazillionaire and that stuff. And and the, hey, you're going to work four hours a week and that's all you're ever going to have to work. And I'm like, yeah, you know, if you've been in business for 10 years and you have 20,000 people in your Rolodex, you might be able to do that. And you've built a team and you have, you know, all the systems in place that allow you to work four hours a week and... Which is really sixteen hours, right? I mean, let's and we'll all get there. Like, right? Everybody listening, we will all get there if that's where you choose to want to get. I have no idea what it would feel like to work four hours a week. I got to be honest with you, I would go a little crazy. No, it's it would be amazing. Yeah, but (laughs) I I can get used to that. It's just a process of putting all your systems in place and doing all this stuff. But it takes a lot of hard work to get there. It's a mindset thing. It's that you have to go through the processes of doing these things. I'm like, it is a mindset thing. You can't say that in here. (laughs) Well, it is a mindset thing. (laughs) The mindset therapist over here. (laughs) But it's also, you have to have the right mindset that, okay, I'm going to work my way through the processes that I need to do in my business. You can't just sit on the couch and hope that if you meditate that it's all going to magically pop in front of you. Totally. Unless you can throw $50,000 at it and just make it all go away. Right. Right. So it's a combination of like, it's starting with the mindset and then continuing with the work and then checking back on the mindset and continuing with the work. And it's this, this balanced approach. Oh, dad's back. Everybody. (laughs) We were talking about you not being here because it was very weird. Cause I was like, wait, like what if something happens? Right. Well, not just that. I was like, it's just your presence keeps us on track. <laughs> Joe's back. I'm, I'm going to leave again in a minute. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody hide the liquor. <laughs> you welcome the liquor in studio. What? It's a Friday. We can do that. It's Friday. Oh my Friday. God, we are devolving. All right. So let's get back on track. So how do you, so you work from home now. I so do. how do you combat that isolationist of women working from home? I connect with a lot of people online. I spend a lot of time doing Zoom videos and just talking to people on the phone. So there's a lot of constant interaction with people. I think one of the things that has always surprised my husband is how many people I'm constantly meeting with. And honestly, I'm not at home that much during the day either. A lot of my actual like website development work is either done by my team or I'm doing the work at night. So I'm out during the day and I'm meeting with people and I'm doing stuff during the day. So I actually kind of get peopled out. Mm-hmm. And then at night I'm doing Facebook lives in my group and doing launches and doing all that stuff. So I think I pretty much get a lot of people. You do get a lot of people. I get a lot of people. Right. Now that you're like talking about, I'm like, wait, no, that's, yeah, I saw her that. And then, and I'm calculating on a random day, the world of Haley. I'm like, wow, you do a lot. So then how are you doing all of that <laughs> and mommying with a child, a child with who's special had needs. special needs with uh, TBI? It's not easy. So there's a lot of stuff that happens for her actually during the day. So calls with the doctors at the hospital, talking to Social Security, working on Medicaid, doing all those things. Right, because that can be a full-time job, yeah. like for sure. Absolutely. It takes probably 20 hours a week. It takes a good 20 hours a week. Wow. And that's part of the peopling, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm peopling during the day, and I'm doing those calls. Yesterday was a an assessment that they're doing to see just how disabled she is, so what services she actually qualifies for. And that took an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, poof, an hour out of my day gone. Mm -hmm. When you talk about being isolated, I mean, I think I spend so much time either talking to people or working my way through stuff or meeting with prospective clients, meeting with friends, doing this, doing that, doing the other. And I'm like all over the place. So I get pretty well peopled. Right. Right. But it's, it was more of a question of I own a business and I work out of my house. And how Mm -hmm. do I, how do I not be isolated? I guess I should have phrased that differently. Right. Like, mm. How do you not stay? And well, you answer that. Well, yeah, she answered it because she's yeah. saying it's a choice. She yeah. chooses who she interacts and peoples right. with. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I go to the gym and I work out twice a week and they keep me sane. Mm-hmm. And that's more time with people, right? And I'm choosing to work with a personal trainer and go through that journey with weight loss and mm-hmm. getting more physically fit. So that's a choice of how I'm spending my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I schedule time to go out with my friends for lunch. I have some friends who are stay-at-home moms. I have friends who are working moms. And we find times that we can both meet. And I schedule those into my my calendar. So I'm choosing to not sit at home all day doing little but staring at the walls. Was there a time when you were doing that and that's now you're making the conscious choice to not do it? Or was that just, I've always been that busy, have to go out and do all the things? I've always been all over the place and scattered everywhere. It's actually more challenging for me to stay focused for very long periods Mm -hmm. of time. Yeah, I feel that. And I mean, I do have days and I actually kind of enjoy the ones where I get to stay at home, like when it's a snow day or something, Mm -hmm. because I get to be at home and I have relatively few carls. But then what ends up happening is people on Facebook will start pinging me or I'll go through and I'll start working my way through my friends list or my Mm -hmm. contacts list and start pinging people and saying, hey, how are things going with you? And how are things going with you? And it's amazing the things that happen in my life and in my business as a result of just that periodic check-in and see how things are going with people that relationship yeah. building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all about that connection. Well, and everything you've said today is just such a representation of your giver's heart and how it just like oozes out of you. I know you guys listening can't feel the energetic exchange that's happening in the room, but she has this huge giver's heart. And I feel like a lot of times because I struggle with this myself, is that I want to give, 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 and I also Mm -hmm. have to make a living. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, I struggled when I still have a Facebook group. I'm not putting effort into it because when I was putting all this energy and effort into it, it was this give, give, give that didn't monetize. So for entrepreneurs going through that same experience, how were you able to make that leap? So there's a lot of different ways that I've been able to monetize my Facebook group. I can sell ads. I can sell sponsorship spots. I give people the opportunity to partner with me to do launches. So then I'm collecting a percentage of revenue. I'm doing affiliates. I'm doing all kinds of different ways to do revenue generation. And I get clients out of it too. Mm -hmm. So I mean, not to put too fine of a point on it, but I get clients out of it. The only big challenge right now for me as I'm working on processes in my business like today is that if I were to go in there and promote myself like mad, I could actually generate more clients than my team and I can handle. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be very careful in that growth of, okay, so I'm adding a few clients here and now I'm adding a couple of team members here and that back and forth totally Mm -hmm. that seesaw that has to happen and how do you so sarah doesn't know this i know well we'll just announce it to the world that i know this and your team is remote yes my team is all they're all All over the the world world. (laughs) literally so i have people here in north carolina i have people in new jersey in florida in arizona and i have some people in india as well how do you because i think this is i think that it's paramount to scaling a business to recognize that it doesn't all have to be in an office somewhere. If you have a business that can be scaled using a team that's around the world, how do you manage the people and still get the work done? Because you do an excellent job of this because you and I have talked about your business and how that works and I'm just fascinated. I think because I'm still of the old school model that like, oh, you build people and it's who you know who's right in front of you, right? And this idea of virtual team members is... Like, even though it's there, I think a lot of people still think it's new, right? Because I think it's scary. I know for me, like, it's a huge trust factor. Like, whoever's on your team is a representation of you and your brand and the services you provide. And so it's a bigger leap of faith and a bigger leap of trust if you're not in that physical space together where you can have that, hey, let's sit down and work through this or talk about this if something does come up or that accountability. Like, that's just what triggers up for me. Yeah. Am I the so only like, one yeah. feeling that way? No, I, I don't <laughs> think you're the only one. I think you're articulating it well. So how do you build and manage a successful team virtually? I think I should go back to having been a developer for so many years. We were used to not having people be all co-located. I had interns in three states by the time I left my last corporate job. So I was used to bringing people in training them remotely and even managing them remotely. And yeah, I got to see them occasionally and I'd travel back and forth. But when you're training an intern, there's a lot of training that has to happen. So there has to be processes and procedures for that. So part of what I've been doing in my business is really focusing on how do I build the processes and procedures around onboarding, training, communications, what methods, what channels do we use for communication? How do we report status? All of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And it's really not any different than having somebody co-located in an office, as I discovered with when I was doing my home care agency, because I still had to stay on top of people. I still had to get that status update. And it's not always between the hours of nine and five, unfortunately. So having that flexibility and the awareness and the recognition that shift work is not be all end all, right? Think about it. We can go into, let me stand on my history soapbox for a minute. Because the way that school days are structured was built because of the industrial revolution and people going to work in factories after World War II when there was a need all of these GIs were coming back. They needed to go into the workforce and then there wasn't as much farming. And because that school day is structured specifically, it was scheduled for eight hours so that people would have six to eight hours because that was the time they were spending in the factories. We are conditioned at a young age to believe that that's the only way to go. You're saying the tech world is the example of why that doesn't need to happen that way. Mm-hmm. And now here's Haley coming from techie world and growing into serial entrepreneur and then some, you don't fit in a box. It's all good. Showing us the way that it can be done successfully. Our title sponsors for this show are Diane Kinlaw and Jamie Tulak. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or wish to refinance, why not seek the counsel of a friend who happens to know the triangle housing market better than the back of her hand? As your local lender, Diane Kinlaw knows how important this area is to you because it's her home too. That's why she's made it a goal not to just be the best loan officer around, but a community leader supporting small businesses with referrals and networking events and supporting local charities with frequent fundraisers. If you're looking to move to Holly Springs or the surrounding area, or maybe interested in a refinance to lower your term or rate, Diane offers a wide array of programs to fit your family's needs. Let her be a part of your path home. A home doesn't have to be a dream. Let Diane make it a reality. You can contact us at www.goprime.com and search for Diane or call 919-624-9541. GoPrime Mortgage Incorporated, company NMLS number 69551. Diane Kinlaw, NMLS number 1600777. GoPrime is an equal housing opportunity lender. Today's show sponsor, Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty, has a passion for serving clients and nearly a decade of industry experience as a top producing realtor and designer. Jamie Tulak of eXp Realty will help you reach your real estate goals. Whether you're buying, selling, investing, or renting in today's market, having an experienced real estate expert working for you is crucial. And don't forget to ask her about her hometown heroes credit for military, police, firefighters, teachers, and medical providers. Contact Jamie Tulak today at 559-707-1913. That's 559-707-1913. MRP certified. And I think that you touched on a really, a couple of really great points that just because somebody's selling you, Hey, this is how to grow your Facebook group. And this is how to, you're going to work for four hours and you're going to do this, this, and this, like it still takes the mindset and the work and the people to get you there. Absolutely. And it's that understanding that if you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, a lot of times it takes a lot of creativity and flexibility. If one way is not going to work for you, then turn around and find another way. There's always a way to solve a problem. And it's not always a straightforward, hey, we're going to go straight down the middle of the road. A lot of times as an entrepreneur, things are very gray and you're taking the side roads and going down and doing that little side trip off the side of a cliff occasionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it can be fun. Mm -hmm. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day that they were like, well, some people just don't understand. I live in the gray. And I know I get what you're saying. And she was like, you do? And I was like, well, yeah, right? Like, because as social workers, we know things are not always black and white. <laughs> and that's how we were trained to get into those shades of gray, mm-hmm. not 50, but get into those areas where you can learn and grow and and see things differently. So and it's what works for you, like you were right. saying, if it's hey, your day is split and you do a few hours here and then you do a few hours at night. Like that's what works for you and what what works for your family. Absolutely. And you don't have to follow the rules that you think that you're supposed to follow. I think that's another big lesson that I've learned Mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship, the gray spectrum that life is and Mm -hmm. the creativity, but the rules don't really apply when you're an entrepreneur. That's awesome. What does your husband do? My husband's a computer programmer. Of course he is. He's an engineer. (laughs) 
So he lives in a very defined box. And he's linear. And that is his box. And he's very happy and very content with that box. Are you okay if we dive in personal life? Go for it. Because I'm I'm sure that a lot of the listeners are moms with special needs child and things like that. And I know um, lots of entrepreneurs who have that situation and are very successful in their businesses and things like that. So I want to make sure that people know that, hey, one, being a parent doesn't mean you can't own a business. Exactly. Two, being a parent of a special needs child doesn't mean that you can't run a successful business either. And also I want to add to that too, and that when a catalytic event occurs like a child with a brain injury or uh, a, a family member with an illness or something happens to you that you can shift gears mm-hmm. to accommodate your needs. Yes. Right, That's sorry. one of the beautiful things about being a business owner. Right. Yep. I was going to say that was probably the one of the biggest things for me in the last few years has been that I can actually manage the complexity that is my daughter's care and 14 hospitalizations and mm-hmm. All of the like literal definition of insanity that we've had to deal with in our house, mm-hmm. in part because I am an entrepreneur, and if I have to shift gears for a day, cancel a meeting, change what I was doing, I can do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I also love how you're transparent about it because then your clients know from the get go, like, hey, this is my life, and this is what you're signing up for, and there may be days that I have to cancel, and I'm still going to get the work done, and then you do it. Do you mind sharing with us the story about that journey of like? What was the incident? What happened? And what has been your journey with that with your daughter? Sure. So to back up, my daughter was born at 28 weeks. Mm -hmm. So she was a preemie and she spent 53 days in the hospital. We did all of the preemie things, the pneumothorax, which was a hole in the lungs, her apnea, bradycardia, multiple, all the typical complications that you see with an early preemie. Like it just, it was. So I continued working during that time because I couldn't necessarily afford to leave work Mm -hmm. and we had au pairs and she started doing better and better, but she definitely had learning disabilities. So she was eventually diagnosed with autism, but she was very high functioning. And by the time she got to high school, we ended up pulling her out of the Wake County public school system because she was basically falling between the cracks. Mm -hmm. They felt sorry for the poor little girl who had autism and she was just not turning in assignments and she's like incredibly bright. But she's just not bothering to turn in her assignments. Mm-hmm. We're putting the kibosh on that one. So she went to boarding school for two and a half amazing years. And unfortunately, she was in a horse show, an IHSA show, riding a horse that was not her own horse. She was riding somebody else's horse. And another girl came up behind that horse and spooked it. Mm-hmm. She fell off and hit her head. And we know that she had a concussion. Right after that, we started seeing some very odd behaviors. It was almost like talking to the Mad Hatter. You'd ask her one question and you'd get something like you were just completely in Alice in Wonderland. One of us is on drugs or something. So we took her to the hospital going, okay, what's wrong? Is she sick? They did massive amounts of testing and she suddenly like something clicked and she was fine. So they sent her home and then we tried to get her back into boarding school, but she was still having a lot of concussive issues and little bits of paranoia kind of like creeping in around the edges. And she ended up coming back home. And a couple of weeks later, we ended up having to have her hospitalized for her first round of like major psychosis and suicidal ideations. Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day four years ago. So that was like a huge thing for our family Mm -hmm. and she spent seven weeks in the hospital while they were trying to figure out how to stabilize her they finally found a medication regime that worked and they were able to discharge her but with the caveat that we needed to provide Mm 24-7 supervision because a lot of the medications can cause rapid suicidal ideations in teenagers it Mm -hmm. turns out so that was that point where I was like okay I have to sell my home care agency Mm -hmm. and I tried I tried to hold on with everything that I've got because stubborn is my middle name (laughs) in case you haven't guessed perseverance is your middle name. (laughs) let's reframe that perseverance yes (laughs) and I really I stuck it out and I sold my home care agency and she was fine she worked for about eight or nine months and she was doing work as a home health aide and she was doing great she was doing amazing well she decided to quit taking her medication after she had been working for a little while and she seemed fine Mm -hmm. she seemed great and we're like well maybe it was just the traumatic brain injury maybe we were fine Mm -hmm. and then in March two years ago in 2018 
she had another major psychotic break. And since then, she's been in and out of hospitals with alarming frequency and psychosis, suicidal ideations, homicidal ideations, you name it, we've been through it. We've tried every single medication in the bunch. We've had experience with almost every single mental hospital in the area. A lot of it is fighting back and forth with the insurance. They're like, oh, no, she's fine. We'll go ahead and discharge her. Of course, she's not even taking medication, but fine. Let's go ahead and discharge her. Yeah. So now she's actually currently in the state psychiatric hospital, which a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, that must be such an awful place. No. Our state psychiatric hospitals are beautiful. Yeah. They are well-funded. They are beautiful. They are well-run. They take phenomenal care and they provide, they, they practice evidence-based practice. Yeah. Medicine. So they know what they're doing and they've literally spent the last three and a half months getting her off of the medications the last psychiatric hospital put her on because they had just done the rapid like hey let's throw Throw everything in your system yeah well and I think that people you know people hear state psychiatric and they think like asylum right like they think back to those you know and the the, the glorified right like the glorified horror asylum this and or sanitarium not what it's like but they're not no and the state hospitals actually provide a different level of care because they're structured that way they're structured to be long-term care versus the short psychiatric. I was working in acute psychiatric care when the shift happened, when it went from like the longer stays in the acute cares, all of a sudden there was more utilization review, there was more case management, and the behavioral health thing was like, hey, get them on meds, see how they do for three days, and they're out. Like so, And we would watch the rapid cycling mania, and we would watch the, it was crazy because I was on that unit for like, I don't know, seven years? Yeah, seven years. And so... To watch the shift and and to again demystify some of these, nor yeah. you know old what's the word the myths the myths mm-hmm. yeah demystify the myths and the there's a lot of misconceptions around it for sure right. Pe- I think a lot of people think that oh my god you've gone and you've locked her away and it's like no she's kind of like in an adult camp environment right mm-hmm. right well but, and she's getting the help and the services oh that god, she yeah. needs absolutely it's yeah. daily right. therapy it's this it's that it's the other oh right. I'm doing artistic therapy classes every day and they have therapy animals and they're doing this and they're yep. doing that. Yep. And I'm like, gosh, I'd almost like to live here. Right? <laughs> you get, you know, right? No, By choice. By, By choice. Yeah. Exactly. Except I that I had to fight so hard to get her in there right. in the first place. But, oh, my gosh. I'm like, this is an amazing place. And she's actually very, very happy there. Mm-hmm. Now, what's That's interesting, awesome. and this is where, you know, we need mental health parity. Flat out. Physical health, mental health. Same thing. Needs to be treated the same. And um, it's a neurological issue. At the is. end right. of the day, I right. mean, let's be real here. What's going on with my daughter is schizophrenia, and it is a neurological issue. Mm-hmm. Yep. We should be treating it the same as we do Parkinson's exactly. or Alzheimer's yes. or something else. And if I yep. were to tell you the stories of yes. the stuff we deal with at home, it was exactly like dealing with my dad with dementia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And I think that what's interesting, though, is like because there isn't that mental health parity, like didn't the hospital be like, hey, like she was in acute care, and then they were like, hey, you should really just go drive her over there. Yeah, they did. <laughs> like that's legitimately like... That's how we ended up at after two years of fighting, fighting, fighting. It was, this is how it's going to happen, right? Like we are at our limit of what we can do for you. And it's up to you just to advocate now moving forward. And I mean, it's really frustrating for them too, because she would go into the hospital, they'd get her onto the wait list for Butner, which is a state psychiatric hospital. And she'd be there for two, three, seven weeks and she'd work her way up the list. And before she could get moved... The insurance would ins- in- insist and they would discharge her and she'd be home for five days. Right. And, we and it can set back so much yeah. in that five days. And especially oh, yeah. like, yeah. so you're talking about somebody who at baseline had a need for structure and stability to survive day to day, who was thriving in within that world of structure and and caring right in the boarding school environment and uh, the brain injury happens and then you're going through this cycle of like of course she's thriving when she's inpatient and doing well because there's structure like right and I want people that are listening to understand it's not structure that we hear of like have structure within your home like blah 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 like no No. there's a calendar there's a daily they know what to expect from a day like a minute to minute a moment to moment when you have especially when just talking about autism, right? They thrive in structured environments where they know what to expect. And that's why you will hear about and see 
the the tantrums and the the breakdowns when things are outside. When you turned of the, left instead of when you usually turn right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they need the routines, they need the structure, and they know what they need to know what to expect. Because there's so much else going on that we don't understand in their brains, and they can't necessarily communicate. And there's no way anybody can reasonably provide that level of support in the home. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Like it's not just like oh, have structure in your home. Like no, that's impossible to have that level of structure within a home. Right. right. Yeah. Well, and I can't make her. You've got to earn your points for the day and check check them off like she's a three year old. Because she's not three. She's mm-hmm. 21. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, you know, when you're trying to enforce that level of structure and discipline or anything even close to it, I have three other kids. And so right. she's going, well, why don't they have to live by the exact same rules? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a hospital environment, everybody yep. has to live by well, the exact yep. same and rules. And think about what And happens. there's an entire team. Exactly. Not just two parents. Took like the an words entire out of my team. Mouth. Yes. Yeah, she On told shifts. Me, I was like. Who yeah. get breaks. And who are taking, there's like 30 yes. people at any given time who are making the the co- who are creating the cogs in this wheel that's turning and making it work for her. I mean, I'm very glad to hear to hear that now things are are definitely working better for her. Right, but she's still not stable. No, I mean to be clear, I mean she's still psychotic. She's still not not stable, and we don't have any clear line of or any view that she will become stable. Mm-hmm. She's safe. What but is, she's safe and she's happy. Yeah. Right. And at any point, we can edit anything out if I'm going too personal. As a mom, like, the gr- like I am empathizing with that and feeling a sense of grief and loss of that. Mm-hmm. As her mom, obviously, yours is a thousand times more intense than just empathy. What is that experience like for you? of we never know and what is now this new life, this new normal, so to speak, going to be. Right. So we don't even know what the new norm is going to look like. We think that her long-term norm is possibly going to be into a group home or something. Mm -hmm. But I will say that it's a lot like a death because you're dealing with a lot of the neurological changes that happen, especially with the severe form of schizophrenia. So we're dealing with a person who's not even remotely resembling my daughter so mm-hmm. it's like dealing with this alien invasion of the body snatchers mm-hmm. that I've lost my child and now I'm forced to deal with this person and I still love her but it's this person who or this thing that has taken over my daughter and her personality and mm-hmm. sometimes I get little glimmers of who she was and it's it's almost cruel in some ways because it's like, okay, well, I've grieved when it's kind of like a death every single time it happens. Right. And then, and then she'll pop back through and then it'll go away again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Body snatchers. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Like that. I totally have that picture in my mind. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's almost like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it, it is really intense. Yeah. Um, and oof. so how do you still, there mom? are really no words for it. No, there aren't. No. I, don't, yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. How do you still mom and be present for your other three kids and be like wife and present for your husband and friend Haley and business owner? Haley? Like, how do you still be for all those other roles that you play? And that's the hard part because I have to be mom for my other children who frankly have had a lot of trauma around their sister. Secondary trauma. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're finding, you know, that your sister had a plan to kill you and you are finding the knives that she had planned to use to kill you, that's kind of traumatic. And working through that as a family and working on giving the kids the support that they need and trying to give them as stable of an environment as possible and trying to isolate them a little bit from the sheer severity of it at times. Right, right. But it's not always possible. But they still need to be kids. So we really focus on kids and routine and structure and really giving them love. Yeah. I'll be honest. There are times where I take the Laura thing out of the box, and then I put it right back in the box, and I slam the lid on, and I'm like, okay, I'm not dealing with this right now. Move on. Keep going. I think that being able to compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm dealing with this now, and then I'm going to put it away. Yep. And to some extent... When I'm dealing with the doctors, I realize that I have to be fairly unemotional in dealing with it. So it's like, okay, I'm not really opening the full box. I'm just, this is the guardianship box that I'm opening right now. I'm not opening the full-on mom box. Yes, that makes so much sense. And that makes you better equipped to ask the questions, to get, to advocate, to do the things. Right. Is because it's kind of like caseworker, case management role where you're like, that's a new job. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you become really a masterful at that job. And mm-hmm. I know that you're asking these questions, but you failed to ask me these other three questions. And this is information that you need to have. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that it's to Laura's benefit that she has you as her mother, right? To be able to stand back and say, I can compartmentalize this. I can do this. I mean, because so many times it was, I mean, it's challenging. You see these people who are try- barely trying to hold on because they haven't been able to compartmentalize. They haven't been able to do the grief. They haven't been able to do, to go through all of those phases and recognize, like, I still need to stand up for my other three kids. And I still need to stand up for my husband. I still need to make money so that, like, we have, so, so all we this, can pay the insurance so to get my daughter the so services. So we can pay yes. the exactly. pays and we get, like. I still have to keep a roof over my head and food on the yes. table and clothing right. on everybody's backs. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's yeah. not an option. That's where I'm going with this is, this is my first time meeting Haley, if you guys haven't already been able to tell. <laughs> And so I'm going, the experience that I've had with you today, you are crazy smart. Your skill set and what the gifts you have to offer, like other level. And at the same time, you balance this with this such grounded, humble, like you're so rooted. And I feel like that that within itself is why you're able to stand. Your roots are so deep grounded that all these things that life is throwing at you, that's why you're able to still bring your A game. Y'all, you need to know this woman. It has been my absolute pleasure. Like you have given me a gift today. Thank so. you. Yeah. And um, Ooh, I'm getting all emotional. I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sometimes we have those moments where we're like, oh, but like you know. you're another level human. So yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't always feel like that too. When we you're see you feeling it from you know. Well, now it's on record, and you yeah. can go back and listen to this. Whenever you're having that moment where you're like, I don't feel like I'm another level human. I'm gonna go pull this back up, and hear Sarah and Jenny, at least two people who are in my corner right now that are telling me. I'm another level human and they admire me and they know that I'm doing excellent work. And we see you, you, girl. We see you. We see you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can have a moment. Do you need a moment before? So (laughs) let me, I'm going to let Sarah have her moment. So one of the, (laughs) all right, now we're going to start digressing because like the energy just reached this level in the room that we all just need to laugh to kind of like let it loose. So it's all good. All right. So it, while Sarah's recouping over here, Miss Haley, so how can people find you? They can find me a lot of ways, right? Uh, they right. Can find Let's me go through all the ways. On my website, fiercelymarketing.com. They can find me on leadershipgirl.com. I'm Haley Gray on LinkedIn. I'm Haley Gray on Facebook. They can find me in the Women's Entrepreneur Network. I hang out in there a lot. Yes, you do. I love it, though. It's a lot like cat herding. <laughs> oh, my God. It is herding cats. We have 45 volunteer admins and mm-hmm. about... Uh, half of them are, you know, really active. And let me just say, it is definitely a challenge to keep keep everybody moving in the same mm-hmm. direction and being civil and being nice and being kind and putting value mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. But you is do a this good job it, it with the bedrock thing? I'm joining. Join group. Click. Awesome. I can't. I don't know. I'll be there to approve it here shortly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of busy right now. Just give a second. All right, so we do something on here called the lightning round, and what we do is we rapid-fire you some questions, and I just turned the questions off on my phone. Okay, there it is. And we rapid-fire you questions, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind, and you're like, bam, that's it. All right? Okay. You ready? Bring it. All right, so what is the number one thing on your bucket list? Number one thing on my bucket list is to go to Japan. Ooh. Japan. Japan. Awesome. That's not, like, not tropical. What about Japan? I just really want to visit the culture and experience it and the Shinto shrines and just the, the kind of the ambiance mm-hmm. and the, the culture I think is really fascinating. Super mm-hmm. cool. All right. Finish the sentence. If I wasn't doing blank, I would be a. If I wasn't doing. I don't know what to fill in the blank, blank with because career. you do so many. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if I wasn't right. doing so blank you, career, I would be doing. If I wasn't doing. Blank career. You know, gosh, if I wasn't doing digital marketing, I would be doing like pro bono business coaching for people. I'm like, of course you I would. Of course you would. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> Haley's big giving heart. Of course. <laughs> I can't help myself. Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, what's your number one favorite book? My number one favorite book. Mm, 
It depends on like when you catch me. I really like Sheryl Sandberg's lean in. Because mm. I think a lot of times we lean out way too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. that you have to push through the discomfort and just lean into all of it. What is the best advice you have ever been told? Just stick with it. Again, Haley's middle name is Perseverance. Um, (laughs) If you could go back and advise yourself in the past, what age would you go back to and what would you say to yourself? I would go back to when I was about 17 or 18 and say, don't be such a real follower. I spent so much time my first, from 18, 17, until I was 37, 38, just following the rules and doing the things I thought I was supposed to do in my job, in my life, in my career, sitting down, shutting up, waiting to be noticed. And And once I hit 40, that really changed. (laughs) I wish I had done that 20 years sooner. I feel that being now that I'm over 40 and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) It's just like, I'm good. Like, I don't, what people care about me, whatever. And like, but I feel like we could go back to our 20 year old selves and say that, but it's because we went through that 20 to 40 that we can stand here now and be like, I'm good. Yeah. It just felt like kind of a waste of time in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you learned things. I did learn things. And you grew, yeah, okay. I did. You can take him into your next life, reincarnation. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So last question. What is something no one knows about you? Something that nobody knows about me. That gets really tricky because a lot of people know a lot of interesting, weird things about me. I moved to the States when I was 11 because my parents wanted me to learn how to speak English. My parents are American, but I grew up overseas because of my dad's job. And we lived in Brazil and Venezuela and Germany and all these other countries. And I was in an American school in Brazil, but we spoke Portuguese probably 60, 70% of the time, 80% of the time. So my parents really wanted me to be truly fluent in English. And I moved to, from Rio de Janeiro to Florence, Alabama when I was 11. To Alabama. Florence, Alabama. (laughs) Culture shock. Of, like, yes. like, let's just take I'm a like, dart and exactly, throw it at the like map. the spectrum. <laughs> and pick Florence, Alabama. That from... was where the research division was for Reynolds Aluminum. Go figure. It was in Sheffield, Alabama. I didn't know that Reynolds Aluminum research was done in Alabama. Well, I mean, I was saying super cool about <laughs> that. Well, yeah, I mean, that is super cool, but that's like, oh. Like, see, that's where my brain goes. It's like, oh, that's a fascinating fact. I'm just going to file that away for when I'm on Jeopardy. And... <laughs> Joe, we need you. It's going downhill. It's so going downhill. (laughs) Joe, where are you? All right. So you can find, again, thank you so much, Haley, for coming in today and for being real and honest and vulnerable with us. We so appreciate you. And again, you can find Haley at leadershipgirl.com, at Haley Gray on LinkedIn and Facebook, the Women's Entrepreneur Network group on Facebook, and fiercelymarketing.com. And thank you again so much. We love having you here. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, good. We love that. (laughs) All right. And so I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And And you you do you, boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media. 